What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for starting out your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Rico, and I'm your host. I'm also the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos, and you guys can hit me up on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there, get links to these shows, other Twitter content that I put out, my articles that go out on the weekend, all of my fantasy baseball-related stuff goes out on Twitter, so make sure you're following over there. Also, leave a five-star review on the podcast if you could be so kind. We're still trying to move up in search results here in our, I believe we're in our 15th week of the show now, which feels kind of crazy, but we're still still building this thing up, so I'd really appreciate any positive reviews you guys could leave, preferably a five-star. That would be uh, much appreciated. Going to be looking back on some of yesterday's top performers. We're going to look ahead to today at some starters today. We'll take a look at the waiver wire, and then we'll get into some two-start pitchers for the week. So why don't we start off with Dylan Cease. He dominated the Orioles, as you can expect. Uh, seven innings, 13 strikeouts, one earned run, a walk, four hits. It's great to see him only walking one. He's struggled quite a bit this season with the free passes. The whip is at 1.23. It's definitely getting better. Uh, it was, I think, on the one high 1.3 or low 1.4 range as of a couple of weeks ago. But he's had a couple of really good starts in a row, limiting hits, limiting walks. Great stuff from Dylan Cease. Obviously, I mean, against the Orioles, you would have expected that. I saw some strikeout props that were being thrown around yesterday for him, and his over-under was set at like 7.5. It's like, yeah, he's, he's going to strike out uh, over 7.5 Orioles. I think that's that was pretty clear going in. Odds are, with his performance, he gave you a win in strikeouts, depending on what else was going on. But 13 strikeouts on a Sunday. It's talking about head-to-head leagues there. Assuming that's enough to probably push you over the edge, depending... On a few different factors, sure, but that's a great boost to have uh, to end off the week. Shane McClanahan had a similarly great outing. He went seven strong against Pittsburgh. Ten strikeouts, one earned run, did not walk any batters, and gave up four hits. He got pushed to 99 pitches. Uh, I think that they're going to keep him in that 100 and under range. I don't think they're going to push him too much. Season high is 100 pitches, and I've talked about it a few times on the show in the past. I like Shane McClanahan as much as I like any pitcher in baseball. I just worry once the fantasy playoffs come around, that they might start to limit his innings a little bit, depending on where the playoffs, where they sit in playoff races, I should say. Uh, if the Yankees have ran away with the division already, and they're just if they're settled into a wild card spot, and they don't really have to worry about it. Those last few weeks of the regular season, which are the fantasy playoffs, might you might see him have some abbreviated outings, a la what we saw out of Freddie Peralta last season in the fantasy playoffs. I know that was a massive headache for a lot of fantasy managers. He only going three, four sometimes five innings, but we saw really short outings from him down the stretch. I worry a little bit about McClanahan there. He's already at 91 and a third innings pitch for the season. I believe he was at about 125, 130 last year. I just really don't see them pushing him too hard down the stretch. He'll probably top out at around 100 pitches here going forward. But like I said, I do worry once we get into those last couple of weeks, if playoff spots are already locked in, we'll probably see some abbreviated outings. So I do worry there, and I, I haven't been advocating this, but I think that if you were going to trade him, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Uh, and I know a lot of people will think I'm a moron for that, but I, I truly believe it. Uh, if you are going to trade him, you need to be getting back another first-round talent in return. You need to be getting back someone along the lines of an Aaron Judge or a Jose Ramirez or you know a Paul Goldschmidt, somebody like that. That's the only way you're doing it. You're not just doing it because, oh, I need to I need to save myself for later in the year. You will be doing it only if you're getting back someone of equal or greater value, in my opinion. So I wouldn't just be getting rid of him. But at the same time, I'm a little worried as we go down the stretch that we'll see some innings limits uh, for him. 
David Peterson for the Mets had himself another very good start. He went seven innings, gave up four hits, two earned runs, struck out eight, and he threw a season-high 104 pitches. He has been uh, a knight in white shining armor for the Mets and their fans and for fantasy managers with all their injuries they've had in the rotation. They have needed to rely on David Peterson, and he has come through for them. He's got a 3.10 ERA for the season, striking out 8.6 batters per nine. He's only got four wins, which kind of sucks for fantasy managers, but he has been everything you could have hoped for. I mean, you weren't really hoping for anything going into the year. So if you picked up David Peterson, you're very happy with him. I know a lot of people are using him as a streamer. And I understand that he probably is not going to hold this kind of value all season long, but he's 35% rostered right now. Uh, his next start will be against the Texas Rangers. So I think David Peterson does warrant a spot on a lot of rosters. The Rangers, as we all know, are they're not like a massive target of mine. If you're if you're targeting pitchers, usually we're looking at the Athletics and um, the Nationals to some degree, and the Tigers, of course, the poor Tigers. Although they've come around a little bit, but uh, they're still a good team to target for opposing pitching. But the Rangers are very good are very good. They're a very good target anyway if you're looking for a lineup to deploy your pitchers against. So David Peterson, for me, is going to be a really nice option against the Rangers. Uh, Spencer Strider. I was a little worried about starting him for the two-step. And, I mean, you saw what he did against San Francisco earlier in the week. Six earned runs, only four strikeouts. Walked a batter, hit a guy. It wasn't a great outing. He only threw 70 pitches over three and two-thirds. Yesterday, he went six innings, only five hits, seven strikeouts against the Dodgers. A great outing for Spencer Strider. A lot of people had moved on from Spencer Strider after that previous outing. But I still do think that there is, a, there is a place for him on fantasy rosters. He doesn't necessarily need to be in the starting rotation to have value. If he's in a high leverage role in the bullpen, those strikeouts are going to be very valuable. I think he will be in the starting rotation for at least the time being. I've talked about this in the past. There's a lot of viable starters there. I've heard a few people even talk about the Braves might go for another starter at the trade deadline, maybe uh, a Tyler Molly or somebody like that to add to their to add to their core. So I'm not really sure if he's going to stay in the rotation, but I do think that regardless, Spencer Strider should be rostered in all formats. He's 70% rostered on Yahoo. It should be a little bit higher, even in my opinion. Those strikeout numbers are so elite. They're so hard to find on the waiver wire. 13.25 strikeouts per nine innings to go along with a 3.02 ERA, 1.08 whip. He is phenomenal. He showed us last night against the Dodgers. I think for now he sticks in the rotation, and while he's in the rotation, at the very least, he needs to Speaking of Tyler Molly, he went six and two-thirds yesterday, gave up four hits, three earned runs, one walk, and struck out seven batters against the San Francisco Giants. I like Tyler Molly quite a bit. I've said it a lot this year that I think he'll have a lot more value once he gets traded. I'm pretty sure he will get traded. I see him as being a great buy-low candidate, and he's been better as of late, so you might not be able to get him as low as you would have uh, maybe a month ago or so. Uh, yeah, but the last month or so has been quite a bit better with still a, little, a couple of shaky outings mixed in there, like the Dodgers last time out, 12 hits. People, a lot of people in fantasy just look at the season rankings and they look at ERA and they look at those major categories without really diving a lot deeper. I know in my in my home league with my friends, a lot of people don't really do a lot of digging. And if you weren't going to be doing a lot of digging, you see Teller Molly is ranked at the 680th for the season. We're talking about all players, total value. He's 680th on a per-game basis, 652. 4.53 ERA, only three wins. 1.27 whip. It's not very sexy. It's really not that sexy. So I think there is still a chance for you to buy on him where it won't really cost you too much. Uh, I think that he's a decent buy target. I think he's a pretty solid buy target, anticipating that there will be a move made in the next. 
You Darvish had himself a very nice start as well. Six innings, nine strikeouts, three earned runs, one walk, seven hits. Didn't get the victory against Philadelphia. It was a no decision for him, but he pitched well enough where he might have been able to get the victory there. Nine strikeouts is a season high for him, and we've seen a massive fall off in his strikeout numbers this season, like 10% difference from where he is typically for the career, 28, 29 for the career, about 19, 20% strikeout rate this season. It is a concern, and I was a lot more concerned earlier in the year than I have been recently. He's really been great these last four times out. So I I, I was advocating a sell on, on Darvish earlier, but I think you'd probably be all right to hold on. Uh, there, definitely he was weighed down by that first ugly start against San Francisco, the nine earned runs in an inning and two-thirds. And even with that, his ERA is 3.26. So, I mean, you take that one out, you take out the St. Louis start where he gave up five earned runs, and you're looking at, like, uh, a sub-two-and-a-half ERA. So... Not worried anymore. Definitely some concerning signs like the strikeout numbers. But, you know, when he's able to go out there and strike out uh, nine batters, albeit against the Phillies who do tend to strike out quite a bit, uh, I- I'm still happy there. I'm, I'm still happy with you, Darvish, going forward. Let's talk about some batters from yesterday who had great games, uh, starting with Rowdy Telez. He hit two home runs against the Blue Jays. Rowdy is someone who I think he's kind of bounced around in the eyes of fantasy managers as either being I need him like desperately or he's shit he can go on the waiver wire now I think he falls somewhere in the middle there now granted he's at first base which is a little bit of a crowded position but he is probably going to end up in that 25 to 30 home run range with about 75 80 RBIs and a roughly 250 batting average that would be my expectations going forward that he'll roughly do what he did in the first half again in the second half I think he's totally fine to have as your first baseman. He's he's not the greatest first baseman you can have, certainly, but he's definitely serviceable. He's definitely serviceable. He's 46% rostered. Uh, I'll always have a soft spot for him because of his time in Toronto. And I'll always be a little bit pissed off at Jay's management for getting rid of him for Trevor Richards. I think that was a brutal trade, seeing how Trevor Richards has been. Uh, maybe Rowdy just needed a change of scenery, but it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's bittersweet. It's nice to see him succeed, but at the same time, I wish he was doing it in a Blue Jay uniform. Dalton Varsho had a bit of a slump buster yesterday. He got a base hit and a home run, scored a couple times, drove in three. He had a walk. Great job for Dalton Varsho there. He did have a terrible June. He had an awful June, but he's still someone because of that out or that sorry that catcher slash outfield designation is very appealing for pretty much every single fantasy manager. He is still someone that you can't give up on. Obviously, if he was just an outfielder, if there was no catcher designation, he wouldn't be as appealing. He'd still be a fine back-end guy, but the fact that he's eligible at catcher, I, my absolute, you guys don't need to hear this, but he's an absolute must-roster, despite the slow uh, June there. Kyle Schwarber went up to 21 home runs yesterday. He hit a go-ahead three-run shot against the San Diego Padres. He is still someone who I love. I think he's going to get some all-star. Uh, pro- he's a possible all-star anyway. 21 home runs. Granted, it's with a terrible 219 batting average. But I think that there's still a decent chance he will be an all-star. I still don't really understand why someone like him is batting leadoff. I am more old school in terms of how I think a baseball lineup should be put together. You got the quick, speedy guy, and then maybe you put uh, an OBP specialist second, and then a power guy third. I, I, I don't know. A guy, a big chubby guy like Schwarber. No disrespect, Kyle. I am also of the pudge. I don't think that you should be a leadoff hitter necessarily in this league. I just don't think that's where you fit. I think you should probably be more of a 3-4-5 guy, but that's just me. Eric Haas is another guy. I should have maybe done a bar show and then Eric Haas back-to-back because he's another guy who has catcher and outfield eligibility. He had a home run yesterday. I'm not going to be terribly interested in him, but, I mean, there are a couple things I like. The catcher eligibility obviously is very nice. 
in the last couple of weeks, he's ranked inside the top 200. He's got a couple of home runs. He's got seven RBIs. He's batting 300 in that time frame. Granted, while not playing every single day, but still, I think that in deeper leagues, he's an interesting target if you need a, a let's say, a Salvador Perez replacement you're still looking for. I think he's a decent option. Last guy we will talk about is Brendan Donovan. He went two for four. He had a triple and a home run. He scored twice. He also drew a walk. He was someone I mentioned in my buy low article that came out yesterday, which is on sportsethos.com, and it's all over my Twitter account. So go ahead, take a look. There's a couple of buy low, and we'll get into it maybe a little bit here today. We'll talk about some of the guys I mentioned. But Brendan Donovan, I said it was a really cheap option. You can go and get him for pretty much pretty much nothing. I mean, he's he's people like him, but I don't think he's that highly valued the periphery stats are not great not a lot of home runs not a lot of steals that's what I was saying yesterday and you know he hits a home run today of course Uh, only his second home run of the season but he's eligible literally everywhere except for catcher batting 315 I really like him he's in the middle slash sometimes batting second of that St. Louis lineup Uh, he bounces back and forth a little bit but if he's behind Arenado or Goldschmidt or if he's ahead of Arenado or Goldschmidt either way he's protected whether it be on the run side or the RBI side I really like him. I think that he's a strong buy. He's not going to cost you too much. And I'd really recommend uh, throwing out an offer for him. He's a great utility guy you can plug in anywhere. If one of your regulars has a day off, like I said, everywhere except for catcher and, of course, pitcher, he can play there for you. I think that he's... I'm going to do the two-start pitcher uh, portion now. I was going to do it at the end, but I think I'll do it now. I'm just going to run through all the guys who are projected to get two starts this week. Now, we've talked about this in the past. I've written about it. I've talked about it on Twitter. You think someone's going to get two starts, and it doesn't always happen. In fact, a lot of the time it doesn't happen based on weather or based on a manager pushing somebody back in the rotation or injuries or whatever. There are a lot of reasons that sometimes you, you pick up a guy for two starts and you don't get him. So I'll run through these guys. Uh, we'll talk about 15 or 20 of them pretty quickly who are projected to get two starts. Don't think all of them will because that's just not how it works sometimes. It's just it's just the way of the game. It's I've talked about it. Managers don't care about uh, real life managers don't care about fantasy managers, unfortunately, not in their job description to care about our teams. It sucks, but it's the way it is. Let's talk about some of these guys. So Robbie Ray, Baltimore and Oakland. He's a must start guy this week. He's really turned it around recently. Robbie Ray. He's had a very good month. I think his ERA was under three this last month. Last couple of starts have been six innings, seven innings, seven innings, uh, one run, one run, no runs. He's been very good. He's turned it around. I still don't think he's Robbie Ray that we saw last year, but I still do think that uh, you can get some value out of him. Specifically this week, he's a must-start, absolute must-start. Zach Wheeler's got a tough match, a couple of matchups with Atlanta and St. Louis, but he's also a must-start. Obviously, Kevin Gosman, the same, must-start. Frankie Montes, he gets Yankees and Seattle. He's also must start. These guys are fairly obvious. We're going to just quickly breeze through them. Pablo Lopez, yes. Clayton Kershaw, yes. Martin Perez, yes. But at the same time, I just don't know how long he can keep this up for, Martin Perez. He's going to be a start. Uh, he gets Kansas City, and he gets uh, the Mets in the second outing. So Kansas City, obviously, that'll be an easier go of it than the Mets. He's pitching to a 1.96 ERA. It's just not going to continue forever. It won't. Uh, it's continued for lo- much longer than I would have expected. Still going to be starting Perez, but I'm a l- I'm definitely expecting him at some point to fall off the cliff. And who knows when it'll happen, but it, it will happen. Uh, George Kirby is a must-start guy. He gets Baltimore and Oakland the same as Robbie Ray. Jamison Tyone and Jordan Montgomery both get Oakland and Cleveland. They are Absolute must-starts this week. Tariq Skubal, San Francisco, and KC, yes. A lot of these guys at the top of this list, absolute must-starts. Now, when it starts to get a little bit trickier is when we get into our, well, we'll start with Lucas Giolito here. 
He gets the Angels and San Francisco. Now, Giolito has alternated between being an elite pitcher in his career and being like one of the worst pitchers we've seen in baseball. He's pitching to a 5.40 ERA. This last month, over 25 innings, it's not the biggest of sample sizes, but it's, it's enough. Last 25 innings, 9.47 ERA. He's had three absolute stinkers in a row. Toronto, Houston, and Texas. Yes, Toronto and Houston are tough teams. Texas, not so much. It's a little concerning, more than a little concerning, actually, what he's done so far this season. I'm probably going to be sitting him on the bench here. Paul Blackburn is the next one. Uh, Yankees in Seattle. I'm going to probably be starting Paul Blackburn. The Yankee one, it'll, you have to kind of just hold your breath, hope for a good start there. But after that, he gets Seattle. He is coming off of a rough outing against Seattle, but you figure he'll bounce back against them the second time here. I don't typically like to start a guy when he's facing the same team twice in the same short time period, but there is a start between here. Like if there's a guy starting back-to-back games against the same team, I typically say no because they're just going to figure some things out. There's a little bit of time in between there. There's a start against the Yankees. You got about 10 days or whatever between them. I'm all right to start Blackburn here. Uh, Keegan Thompson is the next guy we will talk about. I think that he is a strong start. He gets Cincinnati and then he gets the Red Sox. Now, I think that there's a little bit of gray area here, but he has performed very well this season. He gets Cincinnati at home, and then he gets the Red Sox also at home. I would be starting him there. Uh, Ross Stripling projected also for two starts. I'm going to be leaving him alone most likely, even though he's performed very well. Boston and Tampa both at home this week. I'm not thrilled about that. Uh, not, not that I'm not thrilled about it, but it's just it's a tough matchup. I'm probably going to be staying away there. Uh, Tristan McKenzie is the next one we'll talk about. Minnesota and the Yankees. Yeah, I like Tristan McKenzie here. I think tough out, tough matchups, but I still think that he's someone you're going to be starting. Sonny Gray, good matchups, but I'm not really sure about Sonny Gray. I've never been a big Sonny Gray guy. He's performed fairly well this season, and he gets good matchups. And I mean, you're going to be starting him most likely Cleveland and Baltimore. I just, I'm not big on him. He did have a rough outing his last time against Cleveland. Uh, you know, I. I don't like it. I don't like when there's two starts in a row against the same team. I just said it. I'm probably going to be sitting him for that first one, to be honest with you, and then I'll start him for the Baltimore one. If you're in a weekly changes league, you're probably going to be starting him, but I don't think that it's a must-start situation. Someone who kind of interests me, who's not going to be uh, someone that's really talked about much, is Chris Bubik for the Kansas City Royals. Now, he gets Texas and Detroit this week, and he's been... Not great this season, but he's coming off of a very good six-inning performance against the Angels where he struck out seven, gave up two runs. I think that he's a decent option this week. He's a contrarian play for sure. He's only 7% rostered, but I think when you look at the matchups, Texas and Detroit, I'd be starting him. I would be adding him, and I'd be starting him. Uh, Not in uh, maybe the shallowest of leagues because there are better options available, but I think that he's still a good option uh, in, in pretty much all leagues. I think that he's a good option just based on matchup and based on the recent performance. I would be looking to add him. I think that, the, yes, absolutely, it's a contrarian play, but I think that he will have value this week. Devin Smeltzer, Cleveland and Baltimore. That one is interesting to me. Also really good matchups. He's someone who's bounced around a little bit in terms of value. He's had some good starts and some bad starts. He's not a big strikeout guy whatsoever. He's more to help you with your ratios. The matchups have me adding him here. Uh, That's pretty much what it comes down to. If it was any other teams, then I'd say no. Cleveland is actually a fairly decent offense, so that one is a little iffier maybe, but Baltimore, absolutely. If you look at the both of them in a weekly changes league, I would be starting him. 
I know that a lot of people will disagree, but I think that there will be value there, especially considering the two starts. Obviously, the strikeouts are not going to be why you're adding him, but I think given the opponent, I think there's a decent chance he comes away with at least one win, 10 or 12 innings of decent decent pitching. So, yeah, I think he's a good add. If you're looking at deeper leagues, absolutely. Shallower leagues, I understand leaving him alone, but if you're in any kind of deeper format, absolutely. Isaac Paredes has been added quite a bit, and he has been on an absolute tear. He's the number one ranked player over the last week. He's 11 for 19, six runs, five homers, nine RBIs. He's batting 579. Now, I don't, when you look at his barrel rates and you look at his hard hit numbers, they don't scream home run hitter. I think that we're looking at a hot streak for him. Yes, five home runs, or sorry, uh, yeah, five home runs in the span of three games is ridiculous. And then the game where he didn't hit a home run yesterday, three for three. I understand people are adding him. I don't. I wouldn't be dropping anybody of value for him, anybody of note for him. I think he's a he's a streamer. If you have a streaming spot in your lineup, then yeah, you you want to ride the hot streak by all means. Go ahead. For me, he's. I don't think he's going to hold uh, value for very long. Tyler Wells being added for his start tonight against Seattle. I like it okay. I don't think he's a great option, but I think he's fine enough if you want to stream today. Now Monday stream uh, always a little iffy because you're setting the tone for your week. And he's not a great option, but he has performed very well over the last month. He's pitched into a 2.0 ERA, four wins in 27 innings. Only the 15 strikeouts. It's not why you would be adding him for the strikeouts. You'd be adding him for the win potential there. I'm honestly not too interested. I'm really not that interested in him here. Uh, George Kirby, we talked about briefly. He gets Baltimore. He's only 59% rostered. I think that he's a strong ad going forward, regardless of tonight. Strong ad. Uh, who else has been added here? Keegan Thompson's been added quite a bit. I, I think that he is someone who should be probably added in more leagues, who should be rostered in more leagues than he already is. Uh, he is, what is it, 44% rostered. He's pitched to a 3.10 ERA on the season. Pretty strong add for me there. Uh, Lou Trevino has been added. He has come back, and he's gotten a couple saves here in Oakland. I thought it would be A.J. Puck. I didn't think they'd give Trevino the job back, but they have given it to him nonetheless. He has been pretty good these last few outings and gotten a few saves. He was so bad before that even with this nice stretch over these last couple of weeks, he's still sitting at a 7.17 ERA. It's really not great, and I know I don't really expect him to continue in this closer role. Like I know he is the closer right now, and he's gotten the last couple of opportunities. And even last year, he was he was very serviceable fantasy option. He got 22 saves last year. Although he did lose the job at the end of the season, from what I remember, there's just a, too much inconsistency there for me. I think. A.J. Puck also has a decent chance going forward to get some saves. I know he hasn't had any yet, and he had a bit of a rough outing uh, last week, end of last week. I just don't really trust Trevino, and I think the Puck might be someone that they turn to. He's had a pretty solid year, and yes, uh, coming off a bit of a rough one there, but not, not terrible or anything. I think that he's still a decent option to get saves going forward. I wouldn't be jumping to add Trevino. I think that he's fine. I think that he's... Okay, if you want to just, you know, try and get any saves that you can. Right now, he appears to be the option, but they're also heading into a series with the Yankees where they can't be expected to win too many games. I don't know that he's really going to be worth an add there. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe has been added quite a bit. He's had uh, he's had a good stretch of, of games here. Over the last month, he has hit seven home runs. He's batting three oh seven. Yes, he's only eligible at first base, which is why he is not more widely added. I think he's fine. I think he's a fine back-end guy, uh, but I think there are better options out there as well. 
Brendan Donovan also been added quite a bit. He hit the home run yesterday. Like I said, he's eligible pretty much everywhere. He's a great option. He was in the buy low piece. We'll talk about the buy low piece briefly here before we leave. I'll talk about some of the guys that I mentioned there. I think that he's a good option. I think that he should be added in pretty much every single league. He can be someone, like I said, stick him in wherever when someone has a day off. He can go literally every position on the field except for catcher. So that kind of versatility, you don't see it very often. We saw it with Kyle Farmer last year. It gave Kyle Farmer quite a bit of value last year being eligible pretty much everywhere. Simply put, Donovan should not be on waiver wires. Uh, I think that he is a strong ad in every format, personally. Uh, let's take a look at some players who have been dropped quite a bit. Mostly starters that we've seen struggle. Tony Disco, Anthony Discofani had a very rough outing against Cincinnati. Yeah, his ERA is just about a 10 for the season. I understand people moving on there. A lot of guys who have been dropped are starting pitchers who were added as streamers for yesterday. Uh, Bo Bresk. I think it's Bresk, Bresk, Brusk, Brusky. I'm not even sure how it's pronounced, to be honest with you. The starter for the Tigers, he was added yesterday for his start against the Diamondbacks. Had a rough go of it. He was dropped. Uh, Glenn Otto, same for him. He was added for the start against Washington. He did not do fantasy managers any favors yesterday. Brady Singer had himself a pretty solid outing despite giving up five earned runs. He almost went the distance. He worked into the ninth inning. Struck out five. He gave up seven hits and one walk. But, I mean, he didn't help you in the ERA yesterday, but his whip was .96. He definitely gave you a bit of a boost there. Uh, I understand him being dropped, but I think he can have some back-end value going forward. Luke Voigt was dropped quite a bit, and he's you know he's a very streaky player. He had a very good week uh, the week before. Last week, not so much. One for his last 19, so people have moved on. We are very knee-jerky in the fantasy community. We really react to the latest trend, whether it be a day or two of hot Isaac Paredes or a day or two of cold Luke Voigt, we tend to jump on the biggest and brightest, newest thing, the newest toy that is available to us. Luke Voigt is someone I wouldn't really be moving on from yet. I mean, if you're in a shallow league, maybe, but I still think that that power has started to come around. We've seen six home runs in the last month. He's got 22 RBIs in that span as well. I think that he's still someone who can have value and doesn't... He, he's not like a must-roster guy, but he's a, he's a back-end guy who I think can have value. And in 12 and 15-team leagues, he should still be there. Uh, Christopher Morrell, I'm not really sure why he was dropped so much. Uh, he was dropped in almost 2,000 leagues yesterday on Yahoo. He had a bit of a rough week. He was 6 for 27. He didn't hit any home runs or steal any bases. But he's still someone who can is eligible at second, third, and in the outfield. He's got that power speed mix, decent batting average. I think that he's still someone who can fill a hole on a lot of rosters. I wouldn't be dropping him uh, just yet. Ronzi Contreras was also dropped quite a bit. He had a good start against Tampa Bay. Another guy who I think can still have some value, he's only 38% rostered. Now, I was a little skeptical when he was called up. Hard for rookie pitchers to have value, especially pitching on a bad team, but he has done very well. 2.76 earned run average, 42 strikeouts in 42 innings. Only the two wins, which is, yes, that's going to happen when you pitch for the Pirates. You're not going to win a lot of games, even if you're deserving of them. I mean, 2.76 ERA, that's, you figure you'll have more than two wins. But at the same time, uh, he's still someone who I think should be rostered in a lot of cases. A lot of upside there. He'll only get better. Uh, next start, he gets this against the Brewers, which will be a bit tricky, but I still think he's uh, he's a viable play there. going to talk a little bit about my article, and we'll just go through a couple of the names I talked about in it in terms of buy lows and sell highs. So the first guy that I mentioned was Juan Soto, uh, and you guys might think you're not going to be able to buy low on Juan Soto. Well, you can buy lower than what you was costing you at the beginning of the season, which for me, that is a buy low. He was a top five draft pick consensus top five draft pick regardless of your format and he's sitting outside the top 120 on the season he's not going to cost you what it would have cost you at the beginning of the year are you going to have to pony up probably a top couple of top 100 players for him absolutely yeah but 
the way he's performed so far this season, which has not really been his fault necessarily, uh, I think that you can get some kind of value out of him there. He's batting 214. His OBP is under 400 for the first time in his young career. A couple of reasons why, and the BABIP has definitely not been doing him any favors. Uh, he's got the fourth worst BABIP in the majors at 209, and his walks have fallen a little bit, 22% to 18%, still in the 100th percentile. He's still elite, but at the same time, there has been a drop-off. He has he, he, had, he was streaky. Like, he had a good week or so, a couple of weeks there earlier in the season. He's kind of tailed off now. I think it's a perfect storm for you to be able to buy him uh, at this point. He's really struggled recently. He's still, in my opinion, the best hitter in baseball, and I think that you guys should be trying to go out and add him. Now, he's going to still cost you. It's just not going to cost you as much as it would have a couple of months back. So that, that's, where my re- that's where my line of thinking comes from. He'll still end up – he'll finish the year as a top 25, 30 player. I have no doubt in my mind about that. There will be a stretch where he is just ridiculously hot. The Babbitt being at 209 is just stupidly low for someone, especially like him. I'm not worried about him. I would be trying to buy while you still can for a lesser price than it would have cost you uh, maybe a month or two ago. Brendan Donovan, I've talked about quite a bit, but he is still someone who is an absolute buy for me. If you can add him off the waiver wire, then you should do that. He's 63% on Yahoo and about 42 on ESPN. A lot of more competitive leagues, he will already have been scooped up, but if he is available, he's a great add. If not, then you could probably acquire him for a fairly low rate just because he doesn't hit too many home runs, doesn't steal too many bags, but he's just a great baseline slash bench guy that you can plug in there when you have a guy who has a day off. I think that he's a great option. Jesse Winker is the next guy we'll talk about, and Jesse had a bit of a tough day yesterday. (laughs) He got beamed, and he was right in the middle of that whole Angels brawl. Now, I wasn't able to watch as much baseball as I wanted to this last week. You guys who follow me on Twitter or listen to the show regularly know that I was in the DR last week, the Dominican Republic. I actually didn't see the game where Mike Trout got, I don't know if he actually got thrown at, but there was a ball thrown close to his head or over his head. Angels took exception, as any team would, to their star being, I'm not really sure if they threw at him or if it was just a control issue, but they came out, and I think it was Julio Rodriguez got hit in the first inning, and then Winker got hit, and then Winker got really pissed off, charged over to the Angels' dugout. Uh, it was, it's a, there's a great video. I mean, it's, it's, I'm of two minds on this. It's, it's great to you know get the average fan a little more riled up about the game. It's also a little bit sad that you got like 50 grown men going at it because of perceived uh, beanings. I mean, there was no perceived about it on the Angels' behalf. They were, they were beaning those guys on purpose. I'm not sure if the Mariners, uh, I'm not, I can't remember now who, what, what pitcher for the Mariners did it, but I'm not sure if it was really a beaning on purpose of Trout or an attempted beaning or if it was more of a lack of control there. Regardless, I think it brings a little bit more buzz to the game. And anything that brings a little bit more buzz to the game can be seen as a positive, which is kind of, it's kind of sad, but at the same time, you get a little bit more, uh, a little bit more press, get more people maybe tuning in to watch some baseball. Now, I saw this. This picture, it was, it was, it was sad. There was this little girl who was who was crying at the game because she went there. Now, I thought this might have been some massaging of the parents trying to maybe, you know, get some sympathy for themselves because it was a Twitter post and the, the parents said, uh, "We brought the kids to the game. Uh, our little girl was really looking forward to seeing a Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker, and you know what ensued ensued, and you couldn't really enjoy the whole game there." Now. I, the angel on my right shoulder is saying, yeah, a uh, little kid wants to see your favorite baseball players. The, the team should go out there and send them some tickets or a signed jersey or 
whatever, you know, meet the players, what, what have you, do something to make up for it. The devil on my left shoulder is saying, you take, you're taking your kid out to the ballpark and the kid's looking forward to seeing Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez in a game where we have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Julio Rodriguez. It just seems, I don't know, there's something that doesn't quite pass the smell test there that maybe they're just trying to get some free stuff out of it. I don't know. that. Like I said, uh, I got the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. I'm not really sure which one to believe. Somewhere in the middle there, I think they should probably just send some tickets or whatever to this kid. Uh, to the family, I guess. Uh, well done, because it did get quite a bit of press on Twitter. I just something something doesn't quite pass the sniff test for me there. But anyway, Jesse Winker is still for me a strong ad, despite having a bit of a rough go of it yesterday. He's got five multi-hit games over the last couple of weeks, thirteen for his last thirty-seven. He's walking twenty-seven and a half percent in that time frame. Now his batting average on the season has been really low for what you'd expect for him. For a guy who hit over 300 last year, it's definitely a little bit concerning. He's had some bad batting average on balls and plays, only been 262, which is in the bottom 30 in the Major League Baseball. Actually, 31st worst mark in Major League. Over the last couple of weeks, though, it's corrected itself. It's been 455, which obviously it will not sustain at that rate. But it's a nice correction that I hope we can see more of going forward. You might even be able to add Winker for free off the waiver wires. He's only 62% rostered. I think that he makes for a great option for a buy low. I think we're starting to see the turnaround. He's settling into his surroundings there in Seattle. I like him a lot going forward. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of the sell highs. I'm going to catch some flack for this first one, but I have John Birdie as my first guy I'm talking about as a sell high. I want you to hear me out. So he's had a magical run, yes. Uh, it was like 19 straight steals over the course of a month. That's not something that happens in Major League Baseball. Players don't steal that many bases. It's exceedingly rare, especially in a short period of time. He's already, like I think, leading the majors in, in steals, and I don't even think he's qualified hitter yet in terms of uh, plate appearances that you need to qualify. I don't think we can expect a repeat performance of this going forward. 32 years old, he's not, he's not like a young 21-year-old guy that's just going out there and killing himself uh, stealing bases. I mean, he's doing that, but he's doing it with slightly older legs. Now, there's not a lot, ton of mileage on those legs because he hasn't had a ton of playing time in his career. But I do think uh, this is definitely the best version of him that we're ever going to see, what we've seen this last month. He's been a two-category guy. He steals, and he's been batting for a decent average. Doesn't really hit any home runs. Won't have many RBI opportunities batting leadoff. He's always been a good batting average on balls and play guy. Uh, 334. Career batting average is 255. Now, this year, those numbers, the BABIP, 388, and he's batting 292. Those are a little bit too high. I don't think that that's a real thing. I think that that's just a little bit of luck with the batting average on balls and play. It will normalize over time. It'll lead to a lower batting average, which means less times on base, which means fewer opportunities to steal which means his only, really his only category of value. I mean, the average, yes, but that will come down. When that comes down, it'll mean there'll be less opportunities for him to actually be stealing bases. If you're in a roto format, I would absolutely bank the production that he's given you and try and move on. I think you can probably get a top 75 player for him. I really do think that, that is the kind of range that you'd be able to get back right now. He's ranked, uh, let me just quickly pull it up. I think he's a about 120 or so, 127th ranked player on the season, despite not having enough at-bats to qualify. It's actually really good stuff, but I think that we've seen the best. So I would be trying to sell him somewhere in that top 75 range. You can get someone in that range back. I would absolutely be doing so. Over the last month, he's a 17th ranked player. Over the last two weeks, the 6th ranked player on the backing of, like I said, those steals and the batting average, which will both 
not sustained. So I would be looking to move on. Try, don't just be selling for anything, but you'd be selling for, like I said, a top 70, 75 player. I think that makes sense in a return. Dansby Swanson is the next guy we'll talk about. I believe he had a home run yesterday as well. He has been as hot as we've ever seen him. I don't know that we can really expect this to continue as well with Dansby. Actually, it wasn't yesterday he hit the home run. It was on Saturday where he hit the home run. So he has returned top-tier value at this point. Uh, first round in total value, second round on a per-game basis. And he was drafted at about the 120 pick mark, depending on which site. I was looking at like an average of NFBC, ESPN, Yahoo, uh, CBS. Averages out to about 120. It's been great, but I don't think it's going to continue. His batting average on balls in play for the season is 392. It's the fifth highest mark among qualified hitters. League average is about 300, and his mark for the career is 313. He's not going to keep that up. He's also already got his career high in steals, which is 11. He's, I think 9 was his previous high. And he's maintaining a, a, the same, uh, roughly the same sprint speed. So I don't think that that's really going to continue. I think as the season keeps going on, attrition will settle into the body. And I'm inclined to believe that we'll probably end up with maybe 5 more steals from Swanson. I don't think we'll see any more than maybe 60 and 17 steals from him. I think that's best case scenario. Well, best case would be would be better than that, but I think that that's about what we can expect. Right now, his value is absolutely through the roof. I wouldn't be trading him away for just anything. If you can get back a top 50 player, like a guaranteed top 50 kind of player, that is what I would be doing. A young stud pitcher, perhaps, or maybe someone who has been... Uh, there's a couple of names I mentioned in the article here. So Trevor Story, Joe Musgrove, and CJ Crone are all guys who I would be trying to target in a trade. Same kind of range of value. They've actually been a little bit lower in terms of their ranking. They're all in the 30s and 40s for the season, uh, where Swanson is like 13th or something right now. I would be trying to look into those guys in the trade because I think it's probably has a decent chance of being accepted, and I like those guys a lot more rest of season. We'll talk about one more guy from the article, Ian Happ. Ian Happ, I don't really have any problems with keeping him, but I think that you can get some extra value out of how he's performed so far this season. So he's been a top 90 player with eight home runs. He's got 69 runs plus RBIs and five steals, 288 batting average. Now, he's never hit over 264. His career number is 247. Now, he's got his best batting average on balls in place since 2018. It's at 339. His career number 317. It's not a massive discrepancy, but I think it will likely trend downwards as the year goes on. One thing that is really stands out, stands out to me with Ian Happ is his strikeout numbers. He's gone from 29.3% to 19.4%. It's really good, but it's also really random, and I don't really understand it when I look into the advanced numbers. He's swinging at more pitches outside of the zone this year than last year, 28.8% this year compared to 26.3% last year. The difference is that the contact he is making outside of the zone, his O contact percentage, it's literally just how often a batter makes contact when the pitch is thrown outside. He's gone up to 61% as opposed to his 51% career number. Now, could he just be better at hitting the outside pitches? He could be, but that's a big red flag. That's a massive jump. That's a massive outlier for him in his career. He's a solid player, but that is definitely not something I think will sustain. I think we'll start to see the strikeout numbers trend back upwards as the season goes on. I like him a lot, but I think that you can still capitalize on what he's done to this point. And there's a couple of guys that I mentioned here as well as targets. Giancarlo Stanton, Randy Rosarena, Marcus Semien. Those are guys that I feel are in a similar range who you could probably rely on more going forward rest of the season. I don't have any problem holding on to Hap. I think that he'll have a good amount of value still. 
but you can milk something out of what he's done so far for sure, uh, being a top 90 player. Last year, I think he was somewhere in the 120 or no, sorry, 220 range or something like that. He was even low. He was actually 300th ranked player last season. Uh, I was giving him a little bit more credit than he was due there, but still solid. Uh, he had 25 home runs, 66 ribbies last year, but the batting average will come down. Uh, I don't think we'll see him steal too many more bases. He's already at five. He had nine last year. Maybe we'll see him hit 10 or so, but I, I wouldn't be relying on his production that much. I think that he's fine, but I would be trying to move on and, and sell high on him if you can. A couple of pitching matchups that we will talk about for today that I find to be pretty interesting. So Paul Blackburn and Jordan Montgomery. I've mentioned them both already on the show. I think this will be really interesting. I'd like to see Blackburn hold his own here against the Yankees. That would be obviously ideal. He's coming off a rough start against Seattle. I'm looking for a bounce back here, though. Yankees have been struggling a little bit offensively. Now, Houston did stifle them, I think, for 17 straight uh, hitless innings there. I'm looking to see Paul Blackburn have a good outing here. I think that he will. Jordan Montgomery, on the other hand, he has really just been so consistent this season. He is coming off probably his worst start of the year, giving up nine hits and four earned runs against Tampa. But other than that, there is not one start where he's given up more than three earned runs. He has been one of the more consistent members of the Yankees starting rotation that has featured five viable fantasy starters, which is very rare. You don't usually see that. Five guys in the rotation who are all like must-roster players. And Montgomery, no exception. Hasn't got much run support, so he's only got three wins, which does drag down his ranking in category leagues. But I like him a lot here against the Athletics. Definitely going to be an interesting matchup. The Marlins and the Cardinals, we have Pablo Lopez and Adam Wainwright. Another one that I'm very interested in. Both of these guys are must-start tonight, absolutely. Lopez has been really great. Last time out was a seven-inning, no earned run. He gave one run, but it wasn't earned against Colorado. Definitely still on the edge of the Cy Young conversation there. Now, I think he's been surpassed by some other guys like Joe Musgrove and Carlos Rodon sneaking back into the conversation. There are a few others. I think Lopez is still on the outside, uh, but definitely on the edge of looking at the... He'll be getting some votes for Cy Young. Let's put it that way. I think he'll be in, in contention there. Adam Wainwright's doing it one more time. I think this will probably be the last season that we see him have a lot of value. A couple of rough outings in a row where he's given up four earned runs and seven hits in both of them. And the hits have been trending a little bit upwards recently. Uh, over his last six games, there's been seven, seven, eight, nine, and ten hit performances. There was one game against San Diego where he gave up two. It's not great, but uh, I still think that we are going to get a good start at him against a fairly poor Marlins team tonight. One thing that I've really liked recently with him is that the strikeouts have been trending upward. Now, there was that one game against the Cubs where he had zero strikeouts in seven innings. But other than that, over his last five, we're looking at seven, five, seven, and ten. He's, for me, still a very strong option, and I think that tonight is no exception. He'll be a must-start for me here. Now we have one last one that I'm going to be looking at, and it is a battle of the underachieving pitchers. Now Noah Syndergaard, he started off the year very well. I thought this was going to be a return to form for Syndergaard. It hasn't really been that way. ERA is still fine at 3.86, but the strikeout numbers are very low, only 40 strikeouts and 58 innings. Hard for him to have value without strikeouts. He's got four wins in his 11 starts. I'm interested to see what he can do here against the White Sox team that has really struggled. They've just had a rough series against the Orioles uh, where they lost three out of four. I don't think that they're too thrilled over there in Chicago. I know our buddy Mike Carter, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, certainly not thrilled. I am going to be looking to see if we can have, uh, well, for Syndergaard, I'm looking to see if he can take advantage of that. But on the other side, Looking to see if Giolito can bounce back, as he has had, like I mentioned earlier, just a horrendous run. The last three starts, we're looking at seven, eight, and four earned runs. Really, really tough. 
Only three strikeouts in each of the last two. Granted, against Toronto and Houston, very tough offenses, so maybe he gets a bit of a mulligan there. But overall, we're still looking at an ERA at 5.40. Not great for Lucas Giolito. The whip is at 1.56. Like I said, he's either looking like the best pitcher in baseball or the worst pitcher in baseball these last couple of seasons. It kind of alternates. Maybe best pitcher in baseball is a little hyperbolic, but you guys know what I mean. He's either been fantastic or he's been terrible. I'm hoping that he'll have a good start tonight against the Angels, who... Despite some of those big-name guys like Otani and Schrout in that lineup, if you look at their rankings for the season, they're 19th in runs per game, 19th in hits per game, 19th in batting average, 22nd in on-base percentage. They excel at home runs. They're 6th in the majors in hitting home runs. But other than that, they're a very lukewarm offense. So I'm, I'm hoping that we'll see a better Giolito tonight. I think he only has room to improve after the last couple outings. I'm going to be interested in watching that one. Guys, that'll do it for us today. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate all the old viewers and new who continue to support the show in the early going here. I believe this is week 15. Really excited for what we've been doing, and we've got some very exciting news that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So I really want you guys to be tuning in. There will be a big announcement going on. Not sure when we'll get it out there, but sometime in the next couple of weeks, there will be uh, some big news going on here at Sports Ethos. So stay tuned. There's definitely some stuff you guys are going to like. You guys hit me up on Twitter with any questions, comments, concerns, at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. I'll always answer your questions first and foremost, so that's what one thing you get out of following me on Twitter. Pretty much, I mean, if it's the middle of the night, I'm not going to answer, but I'll pretty much answer right away if you guys ask me something. A lot of times you just want your own opinions validated, which I totally understand. You just want a second set of ears to run something by. I totally get it. Any sit start, trade questions, waiver wire pickups, whatever it is, I'll there. I'll be there for you guys. Uh, also, you get links to my shows, which go up Monday through Friday if you follow on Twitter, and you get links to my articles, which of course go out every Sunday. Last week we did an award show. We did like a fantasy midseason award show. You can still go back and take a look there, see if you like my picks. And of course, I went over today's or yesterday's show today, talking about some of those buy low and sell high guys. So that'll do it. I hope you guys have a successful week. Whatever your format settings maybe whether it be roto head-to-head whatever it is i hope you guys have all the success in the world this week we'll see you again tomorrow cheers guys take care